0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Well, good morning,
1: Pastor Rob Elliott here. Uh, This time on the radio with you as listeners has been recorded Tuesday past in the morning in anticipation of the storm passing through our country. And it's my pleasure and privilege, and I believe responsibility, to share with you, our listeners, some of God's truth that's found in his word in the aftermath of this uh, Hurricane Matthew. The first passage I'd like to share with you is Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6, a Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation." This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, even Jacob, Selah. May that in fact be the truth, the report on the whole land of the Bahamas, in fact, the whole region of the Caribbean, that we would be a generation of those who seek God, who seek his face as we go to his word and go to his houses of worship. Maybe you haven't been going to a house of worship for whatever reasons. This would be a wonderful time to establish the proper habit, the holy habit of meeting with God's people, worshiping him publicly and turning from sin to his uh, wonderful ways as found in his word. The second passage I would like to share this morning is in Job. Of course, Job, the great uh, character of the Old Testament who God permitted Satan on a leash, as it were, to harass and to bring losses into Job's life. And this is what, um, at the end of the book or near the end of the book, God breaks his silence and actually makes a speech or two to Job teaching him some things that Job really needed to be reminded of in the face of his suffering and losses. And in Job 38, verses 1 to 11, this is God speaking. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched out the lion on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed the boundaries on it, and set a bolt and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come, but no farther, and here shall your proud wave stop. God was saying to Job of old, and continues to say to the Bahamians of this time, that he is in control. He is supreme. We cannot legitimately question him or what he allows to pass through the fingers of his omnipotent hands and allows to come into the circumstances of our lives. Such is the true and living God, the one with whom we must deal. He is supreme. And he is supreme in love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. He is the God of all little g. God's. And then at the very end of the book of Job, after God has spoken and corrected and exhorted and rebuked Job and his comforters, Job has a very appropriate response, a response of repentance. And in Job 42, verses 1 through 6, we read, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me? I have heard of thee by the hearing of Of the ear, but now, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Essentially, Job was saying what maybe some of you as listeners could say legitimately I've known about God, but in the crucible of suffering, in the context of fear, in the context of of calamity due to weather and storm, now. I see God as I have not seen him before. And when I see God as I have not seen him before, I retract, I step back, I stop being a know-it-all and I repent of sin and of high-handed thinking about God. I repent. I'm sorry for my sin and I turn away from it. I repent in dust and ashes, which was an Old Testament way of showing outward repentance for an inward repentance of the heart. From Job, I would like to take us to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied some 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and many of his prophecies uh, concerned the coming Messiah and were fulfilled in intricate detail when Jesus Christ came onto the scene to be the savior of the world. And Isaiah also ministered and prophesied for God uh, just before the nation of Judah was p- to be taken into captivity. And God had a special message of comfort to his people prior to that imminent captivity. And also through the prophet Isaiah, there were warnings to that nation of Judah to repent and to walk in God's ways, even though they would face a captivity. But the chapter I want to take us to after the storm is Isaiah 40, and I want us to look specifically at verses 8 to 31. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You may have lost property. You may have certain things become clear to you that they were They were wavering things. They were things that could not be permanent. But God's word, the Bible, stands forever. Verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. With his arm ruling for him, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. You will see that after the storm, Bahamas, that the shepherding love of God will come into action. And part of that will involve us helping each other. Verse 11 again. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes, that is, female sheep. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? The answer is no one but God. Verse 13, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult, who gave him understanding, and who taught him in the path of justice, taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? We can't advise God in any way, shape, or form. He is God. He advises us in his word. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands. Like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. It is easy for us to make idols for ourselves, people, things, ideas that we put above the true and living God, but it's futile. No matter what the idol is made out of, it's futile, and they will always totter in a storm like Matthew. They have nothing to offer. Verse 21, we turn a corner here of rebuke to a corner of comfort. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom, then, will you liken me, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their house by number and calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, And assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power, Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Amen. Let that be so, Lord, for the Caribbean and the people of the Caribbean. That last verse 31, yet those who wait for the Lord, the idea of the Hebrew word wait is not passive negligence or carelessness. Or distraction. No, that Hebrew word for wait means active, constant vigilance and alertness and expectation that God is going to move. People who wait on the Lord like that, like a police officer in a radar speed trap to catch speeders, people who wait for the Lord in that expectancy, that alertness, that carefulness, they will exchange their weakness for God's strength. And in so doing, they will be able to mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. There'll be a lot of work to do to clean up after this storm. Wait on the Lord. Look into His Word. Wait for the Lord in prayer, and then work in His strength and for His glory. Then, in the New Testament, I'd like to take us to First Peter. First Peter five verses six and seven are wonderful promises. Humble yourselves, therefore. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. It's interesting that the first thing these two verses call us to is to humble ourselves, not to regrettably be humbled by circumstances in God, but rather to choose humility for ourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And when we do that, God promises that he will exalt us in the proper time. And the ways that we look when we are humbling ourselves and waiting upon God are in verse 7. We're casting all our anxiety upon him. We are not worrying. We are not panicking. We are humbling ourselves, saying, God, I desperately need you. I humble myself before you. And your mighty hand to deliver, your mighty hand to restore, your mighty hand to heal. And in so doing, people can know that I'm doing that. When they look at my life after a hurricane, and they see me actually casting all of my anxiety upon you, God. And why would I dare to do that? Because you've told us and you've proven you care for us. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all not some, all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you and then in Second Peter Second Peter is largely a, a book about false teachers but near the end God pulls back the curtain on what's happening future and in Second Peter 3 starting at verse 3 know this first of all that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation for when they maintain this it escapes their notice that by the word of god the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Some will accuse God, perhaps, of not answering prayer, of being late in some action that we were wanting him to do. But God is never late. God is always right on time because God sets the schedule of time And as verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient. Why is God patient? Because God is not wishing or willing for any person to perish in hell, but for all persons to come to repentance and belief in his Son. Have you repented of sin? Have you changed your mind about Jesus Christ? not seeing him anymore as a good luck charm or as a nice family tradition? Have you changed your mind about Jesus to see him as Lord and Savior and life? You could do that as you listen to this radio broadcast this morning. You could turn from sin in repentance, turn to the Savior in total faith, ask him to forgive you of your sins, ask him to wash you clean with his blood, ask you to make you knew from the inside out. I urge you to do that if you've never done that before. God will save you, not just from Hurricane Matthew, but from hell. God is not willing for you to perish. He wants you to come repentance in his son. In Luke chapter 8, there is a lovely, instructive, eye-opening, true account of the Lord Jesus in a boat. It's interesting that although Palestine and the ancient land of Israel was largely um, without sea, it was not bordered or, or bounded by ocean, yet there, of course, was the Sea of Galilee, a large body of water, and Jesus was once out on that large body of water with his disciples. And in Luke chapter 8, in verse 22... It says this. Now it came about on one of those days that he and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to him and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. What a Lord we have. What a Savior. Just a couple of Comments about this incredible story: the the lake that Jesus was on, as I said, was the Sea of Galilee. It was and is a very shallow lake, and because of its shallow depth, uh, storm winds could whip the Sea of Galilee into tempests in no time. These kind of storms that blew on over the Sea of Galilee that would whip whitecaps very high. Uh, you had little warning when such storms would hit. And Jesus and his disciples were in a fishing boat on the lake when such a storm and tempest hit. In the will of God and in the plan of God, Jesus was asleep at the time. He was subject to weariness in his humanity, and he was sleepy, and he had fallen asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake while he was sleeping, and it was starting to swamp the fishing boat. Waves were coming in and filling the boat with With uh, water, and the boat was about to capsize and sink. And so, in urgent panic, they woke Jesus up and said, We're perishing. And awakened, he, with authority of God, rebuked the wind. He rebuked the surging waves. He basically said, Cut that out. Stop. And they stopped. Only God can speak to a storm, and the storm obeys immediately, completely. We've come through Hurricane Matthew, and that's a literal storm. But in the aftermath of the hurricane, and perhaps even before the hurricane, we have had circumstances that are storms. Our marriages, our parenting, our money, our employment, our health, storms. Only Jesus has authority over those circumstances in any of our lives. Have you come to him in prayer? He's not asleep. He's seated at the Father's right hand. Have you come to him in prayer and say, excuse me, Lord Jesus, I'm perishing in this circumstance. I'm sinking in this turmoil, in this storm. Jesus and only Jesus has the authority to say to your circumstantial storms, peace be still you can go to him he loves you his will is perfect for your storm and for you go to him god has put his word this morning on the radio for you to hear to teach you for the first time perhaps or to remind you god is real god is life god is holy god is in control god has a plan god has a purpose God has commands to be obeyed, and God has a will that's revealed in his word. I'm speaking to you, precious listener, who can resonate and relate to any of what I've just said. You are in a place where you can understand your desperate need of Jesus Christ, and not merely a need for him to rebuild your life and to restore and to fix your property, but even more profoundly, you stand in desperate need of Christ to make you whole to give you spiritual life where you are now spiritually dead, to give you an assurance that all that you have done wrong, said wrong, and thought wrong is forgiven by a merciful and gracious God based on the sufficient and perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross in payment for sin, your sin. This is the morning of salvation for you. This is when you are being drawn by this Holy Spirit and given faith by Him to trust Jesus and only Jesus for your peace with God and your peace with your circumstances. This is your day of salvation. You're not listening to this broadcast by accident. It isn't random. It isn't coincidental. It's in the plan of God, the loving plan of God for your life. And it's within the loving plan of God for your life, not just for time on earth, but for your eternity which will be spent in one of two literal places. Either hell, if you reject Christ, or heaven, if you trust Christ, embrace him by faith. The choice is yours. What will you do? Why don't you trust him now? I'll help you. You bow your head and close your eyes, listener. And you can make this your prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's talking to God about your need for Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, you are holy and you have been revealing truth about yourself in this radio broadcast to me. I want to have Jesus Christ become my Lord and Savior and life. I don't want to do life without him because that would lead to an eternity without him. Rather. I put my full faith, my complete trust, onto who Jesus is and onto what Jesus did on the cross. I take my trust off myself, I take my trust off a church, I take my trust off anyone else, and I squarely put my trust onto Jesus Christ, alone. By faith I receive forgiveness, by faith I receive the Holy Spirit, by faith I receive a whole new life, Christ's life, to be my life. I thank you for saving me, Lord. I thank you that you hear this prayer and your arm is not short to save me. Help me to live a thank you kind of life back to you the rest of my days. Help me to find a Bible believing and teaching church near where I live. Help me to get a Bible if I don't have one and help me to open the Bible and read it if I do. I want to grow in grace. I want to come to be more like Jesus each day. I wanna tell others about what you did for me on October the 9th, 2016, after Hurricane Matthew when I listened to the radio. I wanna tell others that I'm saved, a Bible-believing Christian. Oh God, those who prayed that prayer, you heard, you saved, you made new, you've injected hope. Help us to learn of their salvation Help them to reach out to us by letter or email that we could rejoice with the angels in heaven and furnish them with some materials to help them get started in their new walk with
0: Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.